0: Again, and welcome to another episode of the retro wrestling podcast. I'm intern Alex joined as always by the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are a few days removed from Independence Day. Happy Birthday America. I know. Since it fell on a Thursday, that means fireworks every day even though now we're on Sunday. I there will still be some tonight. Yes. And into all hours of the morning. I know. Because here in the South, in the North, you can't really get fireworks. They're not allowed to be sold in a lot of states. But in the South, you can pretty much buy fireworks at any gas station, Uh, any place that sells toys. Street corner. Yeah, a tent in the middle of a field. It has fireworks, so uh, we're all a bunch of crazy rednecks shooting fireworks off at all hours of the night, (laughs) blowing our hands off, uh, doing all sorts of uh, crazy
1: stuff. Hospitals are running over with people losing fingers and limbs. So, yeah, when it falls on a Thursday, that just gives you so much more opportunity. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then there's going to be some today on Sunday. Yeah. And... I guarantee you, it'll go into the week next week too. Well, yeah, people using up the last bit of theirs; yeah, they don't want to exactly. sit on them until no. next year. No, and I mean we have the little poppers for kids, all the way up to bottle rockets.
0: I was and always Roman scared candles. of the popper things. I know that people pop them in their hand. I could never bring myself to oh, do that. I, like I would step, I would step on them. I'd I didn't throw mind them on that. the ground. Real hard. Yeah. I didn't yeah. mind that, but like squeezing them in your hands or whatever, that yeah. I was always like, I'm gonna get the faulty one. I'm gonna get the one that blows your hand apart, <laughs> just because that's my luck with, right. with these firecrackers. So we have the giant grenade type that shoots massive
1: amounts of fireworks that are on sale here too. We have every firework ever made or could be made sold
0: in the South. So. No, it's strange that I'm scared to hold those poppers in my hand, but I'll I'll hold a Roman candle out to the side. like Oh, I, yeah, exactly. But that's way more dangerous because that's actually shooting
1: stuff out of it. Well, I mean, I lit the tip of my aunt's uh, house on the roof on fire one year because I was a teenager and stupid, and I broke the stem off of a ball rocket thinking, oh, well, it's not going to fly anymore. It's just going to become a firecracker. So I broke the stem off, lit it, and just threw it out in the street, and it landed directly at me and went up the hill and uh, caught just a tiny little bit of her roof on fire, and I put it out real quick and had to put some new shingles up.
0: But other than that, we were good. But Yeah, that's always fun. Or just throwing bottle rockets. I did that a couple years ago, and yeah, it came right back at me and burned off some of my eyebrow. Yeah. So, well, I was lucky it didn't explode in my face. Or you but...
1: have bottle rocket wars where you're shooting them at, other, oh, yeah. at each other and... That's a great idea. Yeah, we do stupid crap. I mean, there's people that stick it in mailboxes and watch the mailboxes blow up and just really stupid, stupid stuff. We love the 4th of July around here. So oh, very
0: patriotic.
1: We are. We blow up everything. Here in the South, we blow up everything. That's what's blowing up in America. What is blowing up in the world of pro wrestling? Oh, man. Straight out of the gate, the uh, fans of Jerry the King Lawler, which everyone is, uh, has been scammed by this gentleman who his co-host decided to start selling fake merchandise or start selling saying that king can make special drawings that just for you and things like that and scamming people out of money and then they weren't getting their stuff.
0: Plain and simple. Jerry Lawler called in to the Memphis ABC affiliate to talk about this and implied that he believed that it was his uh, podcasting partner. And it was a guy by the name of Glenn Moore, who he didn't actually name in the interview. So I'm assuming that's who he's talking about because he talks about him doing the podcast with him and even the podcast when Brian passed away which is probably the most listened to episode of the podcast and how he invited him into his home and he stayed there and he lived there and he trusted the guy and the guy even house sat for him and he got a letter from a fan saying I bought some artwork from you and i haven't got it yet and so now a lot of fans are chiming in saying yeah we bought artwork or we bought those old affliction shirts that he used to wear on raw the when he went through his ufc shirt phase uh they bought some of those and they were like where where is it jerry and so jerry believes he implies it's his belief that this guy is the guy doing it that he's out posing perhaps as Jerry Lawler. Well, this guy, and he did
1: name some professional baseball player who's a pitcher...
0: Yeah, that was like the mutual friend yeah. between the two of them. Right. Both of these guys were involved in the creation of the podcasting network, which Jerry Lawler's podcast was on. So he also mentioned him briefly. I don't know if he's also accusing him of being involved in the scheme, but that's he was trying to explain his connection, I think, to Glenn Moore. Yeah, so Jerry Lawler's going on the news outlet saying, Don't get scammed and he's tweeting out things because he might be getting sued because, you know, a lot of those fans are gonna say Sure, Jerry, like you just you conned us out of money and so he's trying to set the record straight before he gets dragged. Yeah, he's into making court. It very
1: aware that it wasn't him and that this is being done without his knowledge per se. And it's it's sad, man. There's people out there that does this crap all the time that pretend to be other people that they're not and i'm not saying that king would be possible of doing some crap like this so i truly believe in the fact that this person or people were pretending to be him and scamming fans because i don't believe king was would be the type of person
0: to do it well you would think by this point in jerry the king lawler's career that he has enough money stored away that he also gets a paycheck from wwe still to this day that he doesn't really do Mm -hmm. stuff like that this man has a 66
1: batmobile that was hand built in his basement it's not going anywhere but it is an authentic 66 batmobile uh from adam west tv show and so and he has he's a huge fan of of superheroes so he has a superman and a batman and a life-size hulk and all that kind of stuff he has great artifacts and i mean some of this stuff is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars so it's not like king is really if he can afford that kind of stuff as a as fun stuff then it's not like he needs the money So I really that's another reason why I don't believe that he is behind this at all. I think that he truly was uh, people pretending to be him or pretending to have the connections that they have with him robbing people, per se, or cheating people out of their money. And it's it's a horrible thing. It's a very horrible thing. And I hope it gets cleared up because he
0: really wants it cleared up quick as well. I definitely feel sorry for the fans that were taken advantage of and for stuff like the t-shirts or whatever, the raw worn t-shirts. He can easily make those right with those people. I mean, yeah. he can't get their money back probably, but he can he can make it right on his end as much as he can. Hopefully that's what he does for yeah. for the victims of this that is is go ahead and give them something like that or or
1: the custom drawings. I'm sure he'd be willing to do drawings for people that ordered these drawings and stuff. And well,
0: yeah, he says one of the people that got ripped off had already actually purchased art from him in the past. So yeah. he's familiar with some of these people already. Right. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Doesn't sound like he'll be doing podcasts with that person anytime soon. No, Don't go around selling memorabilia from me behind my back. Okay? Well, yeah, exactly. Don't do an Earl Hebner and pop your trunk open outside and start selling boo- leg intern alex t-shirt i
1: will try my best not to you're such the star and the celebrity though you know of course yeah i'm i'm the nobody you're the celebrity well, they want the your subject. artwork they want they know what a good <laughs> artist you you're getting are a, you're getting a stick figure then but uh yeah no it's it's a horrible situation and i i'm with king and everyone else so i hope it gets cleared up pretty quickly
0: In that interview, he also mentioned the investigation into Brian Lawler's death, that there's been no uh, advancements there, and that he's still considering a civil lawsuit, I guess, against the jail or the county. And he has only a few more weeks to do that, because you have to file your complaint within a year. So we'll see what happens with that. It'll definitely happen, because he can't even,
1: like he said, he can't even get any type of questions that he has answered. So I do believe that it will happen. There will be a lawsuit filed. There needs to be a lawsuit filed, because I'm not necessarily sure that there's not a little bit of foul play involved, not saying fully, but to some degree. At the very least, they should be able to answer Jerry's questions. Yeah, and the fact that they're refusing to just, uh, just shows that there is a little bit more behind it than what they're willing to let me know fox as a whole the station has come out and said for the very first smackdown they would like president donald trump to be a part of it
0: yeah i read this i believe this is more of a a rumor than a fact but it certainly would help smackdown generate buzz when it comes to
1: it would be the biggest watch smackdown of the entire history i don't see it happening no i don't see it happening either but i that's what i'm saying i think it's nothing more than a publicity stunt But it is hilarious that they are
0: willing to go that far. They could probably get a pre-recorded message from Donald Trump. That'd be kind of cool. But they aren't going to get him to go to an arena. Just the nightmare it would create security-wise for people just trying to go to those events. And they're already having trouble selling tickets to events. Plus... You add on all the politics involved, and so you're already turning some people off that don't like the president, no matter who the president is. I mean, that's just what happens when you invite a politician to be somewhere. I mean, unless it's like after 9-11 and you're George Bush throwing the pitch at Yankee Stadium after 9-11, you're going to get booed by half the crowd, or people just aren't going to show up. So it's going to have negative effects on the actual event just because of him being there. If a fan can get in the ring
1: and Tackle Bret Hart. Tackle yeah. Bret Hart, then what's to say that they're gonna have to put netting around the thing. Well, yeah, and you're gonna have security wall to wall Secret Service men if you actually are gonna let him get in the ring or something like that. It just the the logistics of it being able to happen are not possible.
0: I don't see him actually sitting through the whole event. Now I remember like WrestleMania four. He sat ringside and yes. But he was, most of the time, not paying any attention to what was going on. So, it would be like when when they sign someone new in NXT and they show up in the crowd and they get a camera shot of him and then they leave, that's what it would be. He would have one appearance and then he would leave. Well, I figured they'd have him come down the ramp and get in the ring. Well, yeah, yeah. You'd definitely do that, but I just don't see it happening just for logistical purposes. Not even...
1: Well, yeah. Fans alone, can you imagine getting tickets to that SmackDown and then... the FBI and the Secret Service are straight up practically strip searching every fan for safety purposes Coming for a Smackdown
0: not even for a WrestleMania not
1: even for I mean I I go back to the Survivor Series in Atlanta that I went to when uh, ISIS threatened to bomb the place and do a terrorist attack at Phillips Arena in Atlanta the hell that we went through to get in there was terrible and you're talking about now the president of the United States. That would take what I went through times a hundred. It would just be. It's not. It's not possible. It can't happen.
0: This company's so very careful not to offend anyone. There, they try to be. Even though they try to be very politically correct, even though they aren't, and they go to Saudi Arabia and they take all that money <laughs> and they promote the Ultimate Warrior who said terrible things about gay people and they. Then make him an ambassador in in spirit to yes. all these great causes, even though he wished cancer upon Bobby Heenan and shit like that. So, yes. in general, they try to avoid, uh, in their mind, all that stuff doesn't exist, and they try to they try their best. Stephanie, being in charge of the brand, tries to keep it from stepping on anyone's toes. They want to be welcoming to all, even though we know that's not the oh, way they we're feel. I mean, step on
1: toes by the way in which it the turn in which we saw to some degree of uh this week's raw and smackdown so
0: that leads us into last week's big story which was the first episodes of raw and smackdown under the new regime which on smackdown didn't actually start because bischoff wasn't there from the stuff that i read he won't start until a few weeks he's actually moving though from cody wyoming to stanford so He's taking this very seriously. Oh, I'm sure he's keeping his property and stuff out there in Cody as well. I don't imagine there's a big market for just random fields in Wyoming, so it's we not like... The
1: whole freaking mountain. I
0: mean, yeah, I, I'm not
1: sure that he yeah needs he's to... He's got $100 million to purchase that property.
0: Yeah, so... Well, plus he sells beer that is branded for Cody, Wyoming, so... Oh, okay. It's, yeah, the Cody... So, Buffalo Cody Beer, which he heavily promotes in that Eric Bischoff documentary they did so
1: he's uh he's probably just getting an apartment as a second place to stay up there in stanford
0: right the episode of raw what i'll say about it is it definitely had a different feel to it in the beginning Uh, the opening segment was the most talked about moment from that episode of raw which was braun Strowman and bobby lashley in like a street fight and braun sends him through the stage, crashes him through the LED boards. Then they had Pyro, and it was like we were back in Vince Russo 1990s wrestling, and Pyro goes off, and then even though Raw airs on a delay, they let Corey say, holy shit. So Lashley was the one that took, was the one shoved through the thing and then appeared on SmackDown, and not a scratch on him. He was holding his head like, oh, I just like someone just dinged their head on yeah. you know a cabinet or something. Or showing a video
1: from from Twitter that he posted and like it's no big deal or whatever.
0: Yeah, so they really blew it on SmackDown with the follow up to that. Well,
1: but, and then he's sitting there saying that he hopes uh, he hopes Braun Strowman dies. He's like, oh yeah, I he's going to murder in, him. Yeah, he's like, I heard him in the you know he's still in the hospital. I hope he dies. And it's like,
0: wait, what the you know what? They made an extra effort to make that even though. It was very very cheesy '90s the way the pyro went off and everything, but the afterwards where they they stayed on that static wide shot and they they tried to make it have that feel of realism of blurring the lines that you don't really see that much. Oh and yeah,
1: it was almost like if you remember the New Age Outlaws pushing uh, Terry Funk and Mick Foley. Off the the uh, the stage in the dumpster. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And it was a thirty minute long thing where they're strapping them down to a a gurney and Terry Funk selling always that shaking selling oh, that he yeah. does and the and the whole crowd comes or the whole locker room comes out and they're getting into you know getting into their. The New Age Outlaw's face and Vince is giving them grief
0: live on air. And it just. They it, were very fortunate that that dumpster was filled with packing peanuts. Well, yeah. Exactly. They could have been really hurt. <laughs> but it had that feel. It had that. Well, when you do big stunts like that. The way that WWE has done stuff like that in the past several years now are always pre-produced with all these different camera shots and everything so polished it doesn't feel real at all. Like when Braun Strowman goes to the back and starts tipping over ambulances and tipping over 18-wheelers and dragging them up the, the sidewalk or whatever... They're always so polished, and everything's so well lit, and it looks like clearly this took a lot of time and effort, where there's nothing quite like executing it live, and then having that feeling, and when you execute it properly live, now you can really bungle this up, but they are too good of a production company, like Kevin Dunn is too good of a producer to actually really bungle these things up like TNA would. So I think it was smart to go in that direction again, and you know try to make things look a little rougher around the edges not have everything so polished everything so put together and pre-planned apparent you know looking very pre-planned and and pre-taped and then some of the rest of the show i felt like was pretty much run-of-the-mill raw stuff i thought the the angle with maria and mike was oh yeah well she's pregnant you know yes and she actually
1: legitimately is pregnant which i was not aware of i thought it was just a work but yeah i
0: thought they were gonna make a new character out of it Yeah, but she's gonna be written off tv for a while again so (laughs) these two people who got five-year deals just a few weeks ago yes one of them is now not going to be on tv for a year at least a a year year and a half yeah so when I saw them on TV, I was like, oh, this is, this is Heyman making a statement here. He's going to bring people that never get any TV time, and he's going to actually use them. Nope, we just need to write one off because <laughs> she's leaving again. So very strange in my opinion. And then the, to me, the Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch stuff isn't working for me as far as their characters. Like I mentioned to you a few weeks ago about Stone Cold Steve Austin and Deborah, That's what it reminds me of. It it feels like two characters that don't belong on screen together. It's it's not so much that they can't be a couple, but it's very strange that you're trying to force two people that their characters are not meant for that. Like Mike and Maria are a couple on screen. Yeah. Like they are very much dependent on one another on screen. Seth Rollins is not that way. Becky yeah. Lynch is not that way. Both of them can hold their own. Right. I mean Becky Lynch especially is the Stone Cold Steve Austin character and here she is. Uh, oh, me and my boyfriend. Like that yeah. just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But whatever. Hopefully after Extreme Rules they will well cut back on that some. Um the first
1: Raw that Heyman did was 9.7% of an
0: increase. It's got eyes on the product that haven't been on the product. Well, the bigger number in Raw that was interesting is usually between the first and third hours, there's a noticeable drop-off. And in this episode of Raw, they were actually able to build for a little while before it dropped off. So that's something to point as a positive and... We'll see how this develops going forward, especially once they get past extreme rules because these are still stories that were built before this change happened. So uh, once we get past extreme rules, I think also on the SmackDown side, SmackDown didn't seem that different than uh, SmackDown's in the past. I thought Kofi Kingston and Samoa Joe had a very good interaction with kofi kingston flipping him the bird after explaining to him that you're just jealous because you you'll never have a wrestlemania moment and it was very real uh it it felt very genuine i enjoyed the segment i thought that was a real highlight on smackdown but smackdown didn't feel as different as raw and that's probably because bischoff isn't totally involved yet in the creative so it's off to a good start. So yeah, it's off to a good start, and it's also building slowly. It's not like when Nitro had the reset, Nitro, and the next week Russo and Bischoff come out, and it's totally everything is erased. It's brand new. Yeah. So I think this is the better way to do that gradual change. Right. Um. You you talked about Becky and Seth. We kind
1: of we're seeing the intergender thing again. A lot of people are making the argument that it's wrong in this day and age and it's more like domestic violence than it is intergender wrestling. I feel like, get the hell over it, it's just intergender wrestling. What are your thoughts on the product or on that topic?
0: No, my only problem with it is that you have female characters in the wwe beating male characters like punching them like lacey evans striking seth rollins or becky lynch striking baron corbin and they are not allowed to touch the female competitors well see that's yeah that's my thing is i'm at the point in
1: time where <laughs> you did it in the attitude ecw especially did it why not let them in tangle up with the women, you know? How many times did Mae Young go through a table? And she was 80-something years old. I don't see a problem with men getting physical with women and women getting physical with men because it's wrestling.
0: No one bats an eye when Ronda Rousey squares up with Triple H. Right. Why? Because it's believable because her character, and we know from her MMA background, we have all this added information that... She could probably legit kill Triple H if she wanted to. Right. Because she has skills that he doesn't possess. As long as you do that, you can you can do intergender wrestling. And my, my problem with it now is that you you handcuff performers, you say, Well, you can't hit that person. That person can't hit you. But Nia Jax, Jackson, she's bigger than you, you can hit her. But then she can hit you back. And you're making all these very weird rulings. Right. That doesn't make sense because it just doesn't make sense when you want to get over your female wrestlers as being equals to men and you're saying, oh, well, you can't interact under these conditions. Well, then they're not equals. And also, the type of like domestic violence scenarios, I would be upset if they were involving someone who's not billed as like a badass, like Lana. Okay, if you have Lana and like Rusev starts beating Lana, or you have another wrestler start beating a manager type female performer well i'm just saying you, i don't think that's Ruse, right
1: or i'm just saying rusev rides the borderline of heel and baby depends on what day depends on what show whatever who's to say like samoa joe has shown this huge aggressive change what's to say samoa joe doesn't Choke Put out. the
0: coquina clutch on Lana? On Lana. or Yeah, I think that's very bad.
1: R- why? Why? Now, that's my thing. Because how many times when Trish Stratus was just a manager for the tag team TNA did Bubba Ray Dudley beat up on her? Or how many times did Beulah McGillicuddy and Francine get piledro- pile-drived in the middle of the ring or something? What What takes a female wrestler
0: or a female manager? What's the difference? Well, because a female manager and just like male managers, I wouldn't really be into it if Samoa Joe put Paul Heyman in a Kakina clutch because they're not they're not physical with the athletes. Like even Paul Heyman in his last few years, in his last several years really with Brock Lesnar, he's never physically really gotten involved in the matches. Right. Like, he has distracted them verbally or, yeah. so, or like, tried to manipulate, like, distract the ref and do that kind of stuff. But Paul Heyman never, like, squares up with or, like, hits somebody with a foreign object. He'll pass a foreign object to Brock. Yeah. But I think if you establish somebody as they do not get physical. Now, Lana, they've tried to get her in the ring and they've seen the results and said that's not really her thing and so she hasn't been on television as a wrestler and same thing I would say almost like Brie Bella somebody who's not very good like even though they've been in the ring and you can say well they have wrestled before that doesn't make them a very good wrestler and that that's why Kane can kidnap Brie Bella and you think that she's in distress but you wouldn't buy it if Kane was to kidnap. Becky Lynch in this current scenario, and think that Becky Lynch is just going to sit calmly and scream, you know? So I think that managers who are like managers who don't get physically involved should be off limits. Same thing with announcers. Like, I've never really liked that kind of scenario either when you have like people beating up like JR and stuff like that. Like, okay, well, announcers,
1: I'll give you. However, King or Booker T or whoever that has taz at the time that has had wrestling background that are now announcers I'm okay with but as for managers as for wrestlers as for I'm all for it I, I that's just my opinion I if he wants to put the the kokita clutch on on Lana go for it in my opinion that's that's my opinion I've I have specifically had numerous matches with women as publicity and things like that. And, you know, it's it's been great. It's been entertaining. We both walk away fun, happy. No one got hurt. I can have a match. I did. I had a match with a woman one time. We only physically touched eight times and went 13 minutes. And the place loved it. It was match of the night. Everyone was saying... So there, you can do that stuff, and I don't see a problem with it. However, there are people out there like you that that see that there's a difference, and then there's people out there that just flat out don't want it. My argument is, is it happened back then. You're wanting wrestling to go back to that. If you're wanting it to go back to that, you have to accept everything that that Comes along with it. That's, I guess, that's my argument behind it. If that makes sense to you.
0: Well, I think you can. Like I said, it, it just depends on what the idea is. Like, right. like I, like I said, I wouldn't like Samoa Joe putting the Kikina clutch on Lana. I wouldn't like a cruiserweight putting like some sort of submission or like hitting a, a female manager who's not an active wrestler. I just think that unless that active manager is constantly like. Zelina Vega is probably a better example. She actively gets involved yeah. in Andrade's matches. She hits a hurricane rana or whatever. So if she wants to go after a dude or whatever, that's I think that's okay. I mean, but And if somebody grabbed her, would that be all right with you? If a
1: male athlete grabbed her and power bombed her or piled over or
0: hit a hurricane rana on her, would you be okay with that? I think I think it depends. Like, I do think there's a size discrepancy. Like, if Mustafa Ali wants to scrap with her, then I see that more than, yeah, a, someone you bill as a giant like Samoa Joe. Or Kane. If Kane or Kane. Yeah, I
1: don't see. Kane it. grabber and tote slammer I do not.
0: I really wouldn't be a big fan of that. Like, okay. I do think there's. And it works the other way, too. It's just like, Nia Jax shouldn't take Drake Maverick and beat the shit out of him. So. <laughs> It works like I'd that like to too. see that
1: too. actually
0: <laughs> yeah well he is a 24/ 7 champ <laughs> he so is. he's he's got he a target is. on his back he, he's got a new shirt too maverick 24 seven so yeah well he's on his honeymoon with the title so well, yeah his real true love the the 24/ 7 title yes. not his wife yes it just really depends on the situation to me it, okay. it just I have to be pitched the idea and then okay. I'll get back to you okay uh, well, then we will discuss this as opportunities come along. In the WWE's case, it's it looks like this is going to be a focus of theirs because... Well, they had that intergender tag team
1: challenge. Oh, tournament. the mixed match. Yeah. The mixed
0: match challenge. They had that going on,
1: but women could only touch women and men could only touch men. Now we're blending back
0: into kind of the Attitude Era, and so... Right, Becky Lynch made Mike Bennett tap out on Monday, so... Yeah. We actually had someone disregard those rules and go for it. But, I mean, according to Tony Khan, that's not something you're going to see in AEW. No. uh, No, you will not be seeing that in AEW. Um,
1: But what you might be seeing in the very near future with AEW... Dustin Rhodes is... A.K.A. Gold Dust. A.K.A. whatever you want to call him. The Natural. Black Rain. Seven. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Dustin Rhodes is pitching the idea, and I think it's brilliant, that uh, after he has his last match, which is legitimately, he says, his last match.
0: That uh, tag team match will not be his last match.
1: That's what he says. There's no, no way. That is what he says. And well, I he is wanting to take up the role of Triple H somewhat and start a wrestling school. And he's wanting to train and have a, kind of do what Dusty did and have a a young upstarting group of people and get them ready for the future of AEW, and I think it is brilliant.
0: Yeah, that would be wise for them to develop talent because talent is hard to come by as far as there's so many wrestling organizations at the moment and a very limited supply of already established stars that you need to always think about what's next because you always have the WWE lurking in the mirror where they'll take somebody and just sign them to put them on the bench and take them out of the pool. The news this past week was that Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson got new five-year contracts. Those are guys that haven't been used hardly at all on TV. And
1: and they were just earlier this year
0: saying they were not going to re-sign. Yeah, and now they've been offered generous contracts, and even though they know what has happened to them in the past, they're willing to just take the money and sit at home, and that's fine. Like I've said, I don't blame anyone for doing
1: that. Well, I think we're starting to see kind of like the club somewhat get back together. Well, yes, they and rejoined I, with AJ on I think on that that kind of led them into agreeing to,
0: yeah, we'll sign it. I don't think it had anything to do with creative. I think it just has to do with money. And this company, WWE, has a lot of money. And they have a lot more money about to come their way in October. So you need to start thinking about how to secure your own talent roster. That's number one, because guys like MJF have to be on WWE's radar. So you have to sure up your own talent roster. And then you have to think about when those contracts are up, if they're going to stick around or if they're going to go. So. Right. It's a good idea to have a farm system in place. Now, as far as his last match being at Fight for the Fallen in a tag match, no. There's not a pro wrestler, I think, on this planet that says, I want my final match ever to be in a tag match. But it's with his brother. I know it's with his brother, but don't see that happening. Um, Well, I I love the idea of starting up an
1: AEW school and uh, training people or people that have had training to go and get their recognition under the eye of, of Dustin Rhodes. And Dustin can teach, I think, one of the best trainers out there right now. And he's got that behind-the-scenes mind like Dusty had. And so I it's a brilliant idea. And I hope they actually follow through with it because it would just solidify how serious AEW
0: truly is. I guess is the right way to put it. Let's get on TV first. Let's see how that goes. You keep saying that. You keep well, saying that. Still don't have a name of the show, still don't have a premiere date. And it's almost I August. We, had a premiere date. we have I think it's in October. Or it's something.
1: October. I thought it was like the third week in the third something in October or something. It's like the third week of October.
0: Well it's rumored that it's gonna be October second. Okay. So October second falls on a Wednesday, so it looks like they're going to do Wednesday. This is all according to the Wrestler Observer newsletter. So Dave Meltzer, and it's going to be from eight o'clock to ten o'clock on TNT. So that's the rumored date, but, but nothing official yet. That's the old WCW time slot for TNT. So but it's almost the old Thunder time slot on TBS. Was when yeah. they got moved to Wednesdays and they uh, did two hours on TBS. So,
1: but also as a another trainer Uh, D'Lo Brown got signed to Impact Wrestling not only as an on-air personality but more or less going to be a trainer backstage with Impact Wrestling are you shocked by this that D'Lo has been signed by them
0: I'm not shocked with D'Lo Brown signing with Impact Wrestling because he has worked there off and on for several years he has was at live events he would be out in the background like you would see him out in the crowd like standing near the the lanes you go up to the seats in so he would just be standing around so well we saw him when it was still tna as well yeah yeah you like walked up to him at the like heading of the concessions right Yeah, so
1: there and talked with him for about 10 15 minutes so
0: yeah so he hasn't been with the company since 2013 but he's already been on their tv i think he was in a bring segment like he was one of the one of the goons thrown out of the ring or beaten up so he's already been on their tv i mean we all know what happened that that made him kind of irrelevant as far as pro wrestling goes i mean wwe lost all confidence in him after the draws accident but had that accident never occurred i mean not only would draws be walking around today but D'Lo Brown, I think, was going to be a major star. I think he had all the potential. He had all the charisma, all the moveset. He was fast. He was funny. He was able to be a babyface or a heel very easily. He was was a lot like Owen. Yeah, well, and he was a lot like The Rock. I mean, they both came from the nation and that in that group together. But I think he really found his footing with the European title and all those uh, vignettes he did with standing in european towns talking about the belt or he was introduced from a new european city every week and <laughs> i thought that run was going to be the the first part of had they not lost confidence in him i think he would have been a world champion especially in the the two belt yeah. era so um just never happened and so he has all the attributes you want in a great wrestler and so i'm sure he can contribute as a as a road agent and producer for Impact Wrestling.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great catch, and uh, who knows? We'll stick with Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling, Impact is getting a new TV station, a new time slot, a new TV network,
0: the whole nine yards... We're taping this on Sunday. They're about to do Slammiversary tonight, and it sounds like they are going to announce a TV deal with Axis TV, which, as you know, is the current home of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And also, uh, WoW as well. Yeah, so I'm not sure if this is in, in addition to those properties or if it's replacing one of those properties. We'll have to wait and see if there's an announcement made at Slammiversary. And I don't know if this is in addition to their current deal with Pursuit Channel, which is sort of their home deal because the company that owns them, Anthem Entertainment, has a stake in the Pursuit Channel. So it wasn't exactly like they had a TV deal before. They were just sort of given one. They were also showing impact on Twitch. So I don't know if that's going to continue. I'm sure it will because the value of streaming is, is very important. So... We'll see what happens with Impact. Still can't believe they're in business. Every time we do a podcast, I'm always just reminded that they're in business, and yeah. we've thought so many times that they were dead to rights, and they continue on. It's a, it's amazing how this company survives. I'm not sure about the date, but we have Triple uh, A Triple Mania 27. Yeah, August 3rd is Triple Mania, and it's. Headlined by two big trios matches, which you have Psycho Clown Cody Rhodes and a strange third member, Kane Velasquez, who is most known for being a UFC fighter, for being one of the men to beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar in the <laughs> octagon. Uh, but he's also going to do this pro wrestling thing on the side, apparently. I think he's still under contract to UFC. By EW, here he comes. Possibly. I- I'm sure his UFC deal probably does prohibit him from being part of an American promotion. That's probably why he can work in Mexico. But they're going to take on Los Mercenarios, Tejano Jr. and Torres, and a third mystery member. So that is one of the six-man trios matches that's taking place. But then the main event, Laredo Kid and Lucha Brothers are taking on the Elite. So there is a lot of crossover with AEW in this. Dude, Laredo Kid keeps popping up. Yeah, Laredo Kid, who I was impressed with at NWA 70. I was shocked by. Oh, he took on Barrett Brown. But he he was
1: the standout. Him and Willie Mack, for me, were the standouts in NWA 70.
0: I thought Laredo Kid, Willie Mack, and Jazz were probably my three favorites of that entire NWA 70 card. But yeah, Laredo Kid, he was at Fighter Fest. He was the third member with the Lucha Brothers after Pac, or Neville, pulled out of that event after the fiasco about Double or Nothing, how he didn't want to lose any matches while he still had his Dragon Gate belt. So he dropped out, and Laredo Kid has benefited. And so now he is in another headlining match with possibly the the best tag team in the world at the moment Pentagon and Ray Phoenix so and AAA I mean it's been around it
1: is as significant in my eyes as New Japan or WWE um AAA wrestling is very well known and very credible and so to be a part of the main event there he's getting he's getting High up on the card, he's not necessarily a, a mid carter anymore, and that's that's really cool because he deserves it. Even as a little guy, as a uh, very short individual, as a luchador, he, yeah, he's
0: only five seven.
1: Yeah, he does some. Some great things, and so I think he's he deserves to be in the main event spotlight.
0: Yeah, so a lot of eyes will be on that as Triple Mania. A has working partnerships with Impact and AEW, so you're getting a lot of can, all three of those companies. Can there.
1: we get that up here? I don't. Is that going to be able to? No, I think that. Oh, to be able to watch it. Or yeah, can we get the ability of watching it?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they're showing this year's Triple Mania, but in the past they've streamed on. Twitch for free. So okay. I don't know if they're doing that again this year or not. So uh, we'll have to see. So we might be able to watch on Twitch. Yeah. New Japan Pro
1: Wrestling in Dallas. Texas for the first ever... G1.
0: G1. The G1 tournament started in Dallas this year. Yes, Uh, and it was a horrible turnout. Well, I think they got a little ambitious because they decided to run the American Airlines Center, and that is a massive arena. I mean, that's the basketball arena, and... So I think you're gonna run into that. In addition to running a big arena in Dallas, you had like some of the curiosity factor not there because this was the A block. This wasn't the B block. So like John Moxley wasn't wrestling there. So you had a lot of the the American and North American stars were not. A lot of them weren't on this card. It did have Jushin and Thunder Liger, and
1: in one of his last matches, as he says he is ending next year.
0: Liger wrestled with Toriano and Juice Robinson in a six man, so that was I would his love contribution. To, I would love to see him wrestle just one time
1: before he hangs it up.
0: Well, they did have Will Osprey, who wrestled a match against Lance Archer, which I think that would have been a really good match. I think there was a lot of good wrestling on this card, but like I said, without having the elite still available to them, so there's no Kenny Omega, there's no Cody Rhodes, there's no John Moxley because he's in the B block. You had a lot of, uh, I mean, you did have Okada on the card, but you just didn't have you didn't have those household names that yeah. would draw well in North America. And, I mean, Jeff Cobb, for all his greatness and ring of honor, is not a big star. So that's that's what's going to happen. A lot of people seem to think that they ran that arena because they have the Axis TV deal, which is somehow like owned or used to be owned or has finances through Mark Cuban, and that's where his basketball team plays. So they probably got a good deal on the stadium. But right. when you run a 20,000-seat arena and you're running it, Even with the immense talent that they had, I mean they had Zack Sabre Junior, they had Okada, they had Kenta, they had all these they had a lot of stars, but I just think that they're asking you're asking a lot. On Fourth of July weekend, no less, when a lot of people already have travel plans and they do stuff with their families. So
1: I'm hoping that M L W has a better turnout than New Japan Pro Wrestling did, because
0: MLW is going to have their very first pay per view saturday night super fight november 2nd cicero stadium which is outside chicago it's going to be twenty dollars and all the mlw titles will be on the line available all across the united states and canada and they have a weekly show on being sports network so
1: mlw kind of making a name for
0: themselves carving out their
1: their slot per se in wrestling and so i think it's great for him, too.
0: Just this very weekend that we're recording, Jacob Fatu defeated Tom Lawler to become their new champion. So, Court uh, Bauer, who heads that operation, he's very much uh, in love with Samoan wrestlers and the yeah. Samoan dynasty. And Court Bauer, former WWE writer, he started this promotion several years ago and then shut it down and then mainly turned into a podcasting network until he was enthused about Pro wrestling and in the indie scene on pro wrestling to start this thing again, and so he's done a good job with it. I don't think they try to overreach. They know their audience. They know they have a core group of talent, and then they they bring guys in, and they know their limits. Yeah, yeah. I think for a small operation, uh, MLW has done really well, and they're also one thing I like about MLW is Court Bauer's approach to the media since he was in wrestling media basically for a while when he had the podcasting network they're very good about sending out press releases they have access to the press to live events everything seems very accessible and very open and that's one thing i appreciate about how he runs that business so good for them hope that they generate some buzz hope that they can sell some pay-per-views
1: yeah i hope it works well for them $20,
0: $20, like I said, is the price point that's more reasonable than... Would you buy it? I mean, if I had the card in front of me. I, I'm not buying blindly anymore. <laughs> but if I had the card in front of me... I mean, we spent 25 on NWA 70, so... Not to say that NWA 70 was a bad show. It was fine, but that's about my limit on yeah. on these types of shows.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be great, and I, I intend on, on buying in on it and seeing what they got. David Starr is a... UK indie wrestler and UK wrestlers, WWE UK wrestlers, are able to work independent shows. Walter, who has the WWE UK title, worked an independent show against David Starr and it was agreed upon in the locker room that David Starr grabbed the UK title and throw it on the mat and stomp on it. And... Walter was like, yep, yeah, great, let's do it. And so they do. And WWE was not aware of this,
0: and now they are very mad. <laughs> I think they'll get over it. This was, when you send your talent that has title belts to, to run other shows, what do you expect is going to eventually happen? <laughs> and so David Starr did a very smart thing. He did this uh, stomping of the belt. And guess what? We're talking about him this yeah. week. So, yeah. mission accomplished. Walter, nothing's going to happen with Walter as far as discipline goes. If they're so protective about these title belts, oh, I don't know. Book a title match yourself. Put this guy on TV. Actually promote this brand. I mean, at the end of the day, they only have themselves to blame when that's what you're going to get into if you Yeah. You're going to guys are going to come along like a David Starr that says, "Well, this is a golden this is a once in a lifetime opportunity yeah. here." I've got a WWE contracted wrestler here with his belt. I think I know what I'm going to do with this. You know, I'm not going to just be very respect. Oh, you're very fancy, Mr. WWE man. I'll just calmly go in the ring and lose to you. No, I'll stomp on your fucking title. I think you're a piece of shit, and I think WWE's a piece of shit, so... It, it, yeah it was great and like you said we're talking about him and all the way from UK and so uh, it. not many things go on at these independent shows in general like you had that experience when Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho showed up to yours that was newsworthy I mean this is uh, no, the, you rarely hear things from independent shows yeah. where oh something happened yeah this was I mean this is something so congrats to him that's a brilliant move
1: yeah it is it's worldwide news and this indie star david star uh is now a household name to some degree as of right now yeah he's, so. he's
0: probably gonna get a contract off
1: for now so yeah. good job
0: aew
1: will pick him up just yeah.
0: because it was
1: wwe that he shit on aew yeah
0: he can smash a throne
1: aew will pick him up so uh last but certainly not least WWE is teasing. The actual dream match that we have begged for for years.
0: Because they want ratings this bad. But they missed it. They missed their opportunity. They had an opportunity to do it. WrestleMania 31. They did. They had the two guys. WrestleMania 30. Well, Sting wasn't under contract with
1: them. WrestleMania 27. Had they put him under contract in time in Atlanta?
0: Well, he was still with... uh, He was still with TNA then, I think. Yeah, yeah, so they've been teasing... Undertaker uh, versus Sting. They started a new WWE Network show, which they've actually put on YouTube for free. It came out... It it premieres on the network later tonight, the the day we're recording, and they put it on YouTube beforehand. So it's called WWE Reimagined, and they take clips and put them together actual clips of it's very strange okay so they get a lot of the same talking heads that you're used to seeing on there like sam roberts and people on their roster like you have kevin owens and natalia and you have all these random just whoever they could grab backstage sit down for a second tell us what you think if what if sting had wrestled undertaker in 1997 and so they all give you their takes and like jeff jarrett weighs in on this and Um, but then the thing that I find weird about it is that they take, I only watched like a minute of it. It's only like 10 minutes, at least the YouTube part is. And I started it. And the the thing I found strange is they took a clip from like Hogan in the ring, Hollywood Hogan in 1998 in the ring and so they crop it and they get real tight on hogan and he's talking about somebody and then they show undertaker descending in that bat suit those clips and like really tight so they try to make these clips edited together to make it seem like that's what like new try to produce something new with something old and so then after you see the clip of undertaker lowering from the ring then they go to another hogan clip and he's like I thought you were dead, but that's the clip where he sees the Ultimate Warrior again right. for the yeah. first time. But they yeah. they crop Ultimate Warrior out, so it's as if Hogan is talking to off to camera. Yes, it's very fucking strange. It, it's something you would like see in the WWE video game that you know in one of those oh fa- line. fantasy matchups. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they just combine clips. That's what it Ooh, is. That would
1: be great for the game this this coming year. Fantasy matchups. That would be.
0: Well, I mean, they've they can just take this thing. You have to watch it. It's oh, I'm very, I'm going to. I'm very interested in. Unfortunately it. for me, for me, I wasn't very impressed with it. I mean, I'll, I'll maybe I'll sit down and give it another go, but I wasn't impressed with it right off the bat because I'm just used to really good production from the WWE. Well, you people. come from that side of it in general, so production to you
1: is very important.
0: Well, I, I think. Like all the DVDs they've produced, all the documentary ones, I think they've done a really great job with those. And in the past several months, when, like, the WWE Chronicle series, I think, is one of the laziest things that they've ever put together on the network because they revisit uh, some topic that people like to talk about, like WWE ECW. So when they bought the ECW name and relaunched it on Sci Fi. And so they're like, oh, we're going to analyze this in this show.
1: It's a brilliant idea, poor execution.
0: Well, yeah, because all they do is call. They do phone calls. You're talking, With, you have Shane
1: McMahon on the payroll. You see him every week, twice a week. Call
0: Heyman, Heyman, too.
1: Sit them down in front of a camera and hear them discuss it. Get their facial expressions. Don't just say, hey, use your cell phone,
0: call him. No, yeah, put them on speakerphone. It's one of the laziest yeah, things yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's about 15 minutes long, and so there's no... That's the one with staying. I
1: was expecting that you could go on for an hour and do an hour special on that.
0: Yeah, so WWE reimagined. I just... I think it's lazy. (laughs) It's really lazy when you just take old clips and just try to play them side by side to... I, I don't even know. And, I mean, how many times can we listen to Sam Roberts talking about the same... I mean... I just get bored with with some of their stuff. With Sam Roberts and uh what's the other one? Oh, the guy from Bring It to the Table. Yeah. I forgot his name already. <laughs> but they use they use the same people over and over again. Yeah. I I hope this match happens in real life though. Well, if it does, I think it'll be happening in Saudi Arabia, so. Oh, man. I probably I, won't see it. I hope not cuz
1: if that's the case, I might actually disown WWE. Completely. Seriously. Because that match needs to happen here because our fans are the ones that have been begging for it for years.
0: It was my pick this week, and I picked something that I actually did not want to watch. And after I picked it... (laughs) Why? Because I picked it because it happened in July. And and then when I actually realized what I had done, the fear just crept into me. And I just... I... (laughs) procrastinated and I put this off and off until the very last minute because I was just like, no, I can't do it. Like, I have no interest in this <laughs> okay. whatsoever. And I have to say, it lived up to my expectations. <laughs> and, and you did I, not enjoy this at all. I enjoyed a little bit of it. A very thin slice of Heat Wave 2000 was palatable for me. But for the most part, it just made me sad because... The writing is on the wall that the ECW is going out of business, basically. This happened on July 16th in the year 2000. Some bad news for ECW. There's a new game in town. That's right, because on June 28th, Viacom signed their deal with the WWE. So, they knew that they were dead. And Paul well, I did, Heyman... I didn't mean just them. Oh, yeah. So... Their deal with TNN, which had already... Paul Heyman already hated the TNN deal. Oh, yeah, because he got screwed in the deal. Yes, he legitimately got screwed in
1: that deal. That He was an idiot for signing that contract and not reading it completely because who in their right mind would sign on to that for a TV deal knowing full well that they have the absolute right to not promote you not commercial you, not give you any type of licensing or money, not... This is worse than the AEW deal that you were complaining about. This is a terrible deal. And... Back during this time, he cannot compete even as bad as WCW was. With that kind of a deal, he cannot compete with WCW, especially not with WWF at the time either.
0: Well, WCW always had the advantage going for it that it was owned by the network that it was on. So it had that big advantage where Turner always kept it on because he owned the place. Yeah they always had that so they were never even though they turned in years of losses and years of bad tv and years of bad whatever they still kept getting a renew on life a new lease on life much like impact seems to get it just keeps going we don't know why it doesn't get any better but well that's i mean what when i mentioned
1: a new game in town there's a very very exclusive hardcore new game in town that uh, made an interference here at tonight's pay per view. Yes. If you were not aware of this, it it really was. Did
0: you were you aware of this, sir? I had heard the story of this brawl between XPW and ECW taking place. I didn't realize what show it happened at, or apparently if it, was, it happened on this one. Yeah, it did happen on this <laughs> one. So a very odd. I almost. Th- We'll get to it. It happens in the main event, but... Okay, anyway. (laughs) We're in Los Angeles, California at Grand Olympic Auditorium. Nothing quite grand about this place. How how big is this place, sir? The Grand Olympic Auditorium was built in 1924. Oh! Currently, I I believe it's been converted to a church as of 2019. Oh, wow, that is small. It's the Glory Church of Jesus Christ a Korean-American evangelical church in 2019. Wow. But this was not church-worthy on this pay-per-view. When it reopened, it had closed for a while, but it reopened in 1993, and its capacity was reduced to about 10,000. And in the 2000s, the auditorium was said to have sat 7,030 for boxing and wrestling. So they almost did capacity. That's Better than I expected it to be. And he, it's a lot better than what the crowd seemed to look like in this. Well, uh, that's another. I mean, that's more of ECW's production style where they could not. Even if they had a packed house, you'd never know it. <laughs> 5,700 people on hand for this one. This would later turn out to be a home for XPW, as we mentioned them earlier. So this was their hometown venue basically so a little side note i love xpw that's okay i'll pass on this really why is this sir uh because it's just trash it's run by a pornographer it's just garbage <laughs> i think i would probably prefer the insane clown posse's Championship wrestling over uh really? xpw really yeah
1: okay. i just like the wrestling i don't It's wrestling, though. I like wrestling in general.
0: The show opens. We're off to a a bad start here. As we're on the beach, which doesn't look like it's anywhere close to Los Angeles, even though they say they're in Los Angeles, Jasmine St. Clair, porn star, is on the beach. She's talking to us, and she's interrupted by the blue guy, who is the blue meanie, who's in great shape because he lost 160 pounds when uh, the WWE, they were going to keep him. They... JR told him, uh, well, we're going to fire you. And then he got a call that said, well, we've reconsidered and we'll keep you, but you got to lose the weight. And so he did. He went to a personal trainer in New Jersey and he lost 160 pounds. That's insane. But they just fired him anyway. That's insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had in the past sent Yokozuna and Vader to fat camp. That's so true. So they, they did try to yes. get the people I mean, he look totally different here i was shocked I at was how too, yes. this is a version of the blue meanie that i've never seen so i was almost convinced that it wasn't him because ecw we, I w- well, wouldn't put it past them to do a impersonation gimmick i mean tna impersonate had someone impersonate the blue meanie years later so yes um and then i mean what you ran into him in uh, orlando yes he's we, gained all 160 pounds back he's not that big he's gained most of it back I wouldn't say... Really? I wouldn't believe that. Definitely. 100%. We ran into him on multiple occasions. Okay. I wouldn't have thought that. Jasmine St. Clair was Meanie's real-life girlfriend for six years. She was the girl that JBL, in his commentary on One Night Stand, says, You, you fat fuck, and your porn star wife. And this is one of the things that JBL hated about Blue Meanie, is that Blue Meanie had a porn star girlfriend. I don't think they were ever married, but so when JBL punches the shit out of him at one night Stand in 2005, that was one of the reasons behind it. The real reason Blue Mini says is that when he got released from the WWF, he went and did a shoot interview and he said, my time in WWF, it was fine, except that JBL guy, he's a bully. So JBL remembered this and also tormented him while he was in the company, like on plane rides and stuff, would be sitting a few rows down and be talking about that fat fuck and like, definitely meaning it to be blue meanie and like saying it out loud and yeah he hated he just hated the blue meanie so i mean jbl is a bully he is so blue meanie finds a guy who's in normal shape and calls him a fat piece of shit and then jasmine low blows the guy and meanie kicks sand in his face And then the camera swings around, and Sinister Minister is in the background and says that Los Angeles is the devil's playground. Heatwave is a regular Rodney King of the Ring, as we have a... That happened in, like, 1991 or two, and it's the year 2000, so very topical reference, Sinister Minister. (laughs) Then he puts over the main event and talks about its danger as the camera reveals that Mikey Whipwreck has been buried in the sand up to his head. And then high tide is coming. And then Sinister Minister just laughs. And when I say laughs, this goes on, I swear, he laughs for like a minute straight. And then we finally go to the real show. No open, no ECW music, no nothing. Just we're in the show now. We're in the Grand Olympic Ballroom where Joey and Joel Gertner welcome us. They're in the middle of the ring. Gertner says, well, 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 girls get hornier when he comes to California and he's got vanilla-flavored semen, among other things that he says. Then Cyrus the Virus, who is part of the network, uh, TNN. So they had started this gimmick with Cyrus as he's the network. He's coming down on them. He doesn't yeah. like all this hardcore wrestling and all these good angles. He doesn't like that. It's got to all stop. And now, now that they've been legitimately canceled, he is a bigger heel than ever. So he yes. comes down. He gets asshole chance. He claims to have had Super Crazy deported. He gave Rhino the belt, the TV belt, and he took RVD's TV title. Then Joel Gertner claims that Cyrus was looking through a glory hole at George Michael, which was a more topical reference in the year 2000. What, what, how was this topical, sir? Well, George Michael got arrested in a public bathroom for indecency, and he was cruising for a dude, and. Got arrested. Okay, well now you have... I don't know what year that happened. I, it was closer to the year 2000 than Rodney King, so <laughs> it was better. I think it was still like 98, so it's still... Wrestling is always <laughs> so behind far behind everything. Style, haircuts, news. Everything is a few years away in pro wrestling. When you say it happened in real life, it'll be a few years before it gets to pro wrestling. and claims he canceled ECW, and he says... Well, the only reason you're even on this show, Joel Gertner, is because you deliver the fat faggot demographic. That's right. His words, not mine. I'm just repeating what the man said. All this unbleeped, by the way, on the network. No problem with any of this. It's TVMA, so it's all good. Gertner tells Don Callis, as now he calls him Don, he's shooting on him, brother, to stop stealing his heat because he saves his ass. That's why he does what he does. Then Don Callis calls him a gutless piece of shit. Then Gertner quits, but first he spears Don Callis and does his punches because every fucking ECW pay per view has to start with the same fucking thing. That was when I knew we were off to a real bad start it's here because Gertner It's and- not even just Gertner doing his thing, but it's always Joey Styles in the ring. Joel Gertner does his sex promo and then spear and rabbit punches to whoever whoever yeah. the, the bad guy may be. And it like that's fine every once in a while. It's the year 2000. It's not 1998. Like, you haven't thought of a new way of doing these Opens? No. Still doing the same old shit. I still like
1: Joel Gertner, though.
0: He's fine. Like I said, I always think the WWE missed something. Like, WWE could have used him in some capacity. Yeah. He couldn't have been as dirty as he was, but he was a good talker. Yes. When he had good lines. Like, tonight, I was a so-so, Joel Gertner. I think he's had better delivery. By the way, all of this... That we see every ECW pay-per-view it took thirteen minutes to get to. So this is the first you paid for this at home. You're wa- like you you spent hard earned cash to see the same old shit, and it took fifteen minutes of your pay-per-view. Callis wants Gertner taken to jail and then given OJ Simpson's jail cell, which that happened in ninety-four, so again, late to the party here. Then we just go to the match with no real explanation as Big Sal Graziano slams a ref while Tony Mamaluke watches on, but then Balls Mahoney's music hits. Tony gets a Balls punch and goes down. Balls turns his back and gets decked by Sal, but Balls hits the Balls punches, kicks him in the balls, slams a chair on his head, which Sal no-sells. Sal then slams him, drops an elbow to Balls Mahoney's balls, then he belly-to-belly slams him. One, two, three. The match is over. So there you go um what a way to start the night with bullshit two bullshit matches back to back with two fucking just what a waste of time this is all just a waste of time this whole podcast is just a waste of time now no it's not cyrus joins joey styles on commentary rvd is backstage with fonzie rvd says scotty anton is going to get the van terminator for the first time tonight and then fonzie blows his whistle and then a surprise appearance here. I didn't know. Bobby Eaton is extreme as yes. he attacked Johnny Swinger and Simon Diamond and then started brawling with C.W. Anderson, who then super kicked him. This happened, I guess, on Hardcore TV or at a previous show. My whole thought going into this match is, oh, this is about Bobby Eaton, so Bobby Eaton's going to be here. No. No. Couldn't it that was get... a
1: one-off. But Bobby Eaton said when I have spoken with him about this, that was one of his most exciting times, and little side note here that not a lot of people know because I am close with Bobby and I am close, very close with Johnny Swinger. He he actually connected with Swinger so hard that he loosened one of his teeth, and Swinger had to go to the doc or the dentist and uh, have it refixed. So that there's your little piece of information
0: that not a lot of people know and so so we have these men fighting on behalf of bobby and for bobby's honor but not in front of bobby or with bobby's help so he's the damsel in distress in this story simon diamond and johnny swinger out first diamond grabs the mic and says simon and swinger have a problem but the solution to their problem has arrived as cw anderson comes out then louie dangerously and electra are sent to the back by CW, so this is their big breakup angle, is just, hey, I don't want you as my manager anymore. So that's the end of that affiliation. Danny Doring, Roadkill, and Kid Cash are out to take them on. And what I realized by looking at all six men here is everyone just looks like small-time indie wrestlers. Everybody in this match. Really? Their attire, their size, everything about them looks like small town, don't belong on any stage... They look like losers. I hate to say it. Wow. They look like absolute losers.
1: I am shocked to say that. Because I love the likes of Kid Cash, Simon Diamond,
0: Johnny Swinger, and C.W. Anderson. C.W. Anderson is probably the worst of all. Because <laughs> he is okay. an Art Anderson ripoff. <laughs> yes, and I mean... That tells you everything you need to know about this character. It's the year two thousand, Patrick. Yeah. Who do you want to rip off? Like, this is not Shark Boy ripping off Steve Austin. He picked Arn Anderson, who is an amazing wrestler, but like, he's the working man's wrestler. But there's nothing about his gimmick that you can steal and like cartoonize and make into fun. There's nothing well, fun about. He's not about supposed him. to be fun. He's, he's shit. Th- he's he looks like if Arn Anderson had like a twin that was just really lazy and then when he realized arn anderson his brother had retired he like got off the sofa and went to work <laughs> like this is he just looks like shit Every like i said everyone in here just looks like Carney, small time and i mean even roadkill it's roadkill's attire like he could <laughs> i get it Amish, right? Amish. Yes. I understand, okay? But you gotta get some fucking better gear than being in the suit, you know? He's You're Amish. You're not Mr. Hughes, okay? But he's Amish. That's what they wear. Well, I need him what to else wear could something. He, well, okay, if he's Amish, what else would you prefer he wear? I don't know anything. Besides, I don't mind him. I, <laughs> I hate fucking overalls and white shirts and black pants in wrestling i didn't like it when big boss man did it i didn't like it really when i don't like it when anybody does it i think when bob Backlund wrestled in his fucking shit like that i show up to fucking work pal this isn't we're not doing ta- we're not doing taxes here we're doing wrestling so fucking show up so in some IRS, gear.
1: you weren't a big fan of?
0: No. Hated his shit too. Everyone... Also, it's really stupid to wear spenders because people will fucking choke you with them. That's true. So... And it happens a lot. The ring announcer... To stall more because this show just remind. <laughs> they just need to stall. They just need to fill time with just bullshit. They just need to make this as painful as possible. So the announcer, after everyone's in the ring, announces each competitor individually... Well, I mean, you have to give everybody their own time. Cash and Diamond start the match. They have some deep arm drags and hip tosses. C.W. Anderson and Danny Doring take over, then Roadkill and Doring double-team swinger, and Diamond throws them out of the ring. Kid Cash then hits a nice springboard hurricane ronda to C.W. Anderson, who is out on the concrete floor, but the camera, of course, this is ECW as well, it misses it, so just... You're just going to have to realize how awesome it was because you can't see it. <laughs> he hits one to Diamond in the ring before getting hit with a Ferris wheel from C.W. Anderson. Swinger comes in for the heels and keeps Kid Cash in the corner. Doring comes in, runs through all three heels until Swinger stops him with the swing thing and gets an earfall. fall. Doring gets a double team flatliner from Diamond and Swinger, and then Diamond hits two snap suplexes and a Gord Buster to Danny Doring for a two count. Doring and CW Anderson get into a chop battle. Doring hits a famouser to CW Anderson, and Roadkill wants the hot tag, he gets it, runs wild over the heels, dirt road slam to diamond, and then he hits a TKO to CW Anderson, then gets on all fours for Doring to hit a dive to the heels on the outside. Then he gets on all fours again, and then Kid Cash hits a tope acon Hilo off Roadkill's back and then the ropes and gets major air on this move. This was the highlight of the match, and the crowd goes nuts for it. But, of course, this is ECW, so that's all squash because the match has to keep going. Roadkill then springboards onto the pile outside. I was really worried about the ropes on this one when Roadkill decided to springboard. I'll give him credit. He did it. (laughs) He did it. Doring then hits an Alabama jam on Swinger for a two-count in honor of his mentor, Bobby Eaton, here. Diamond and Swinger then lay out Doring with an inverted DDT. They climb on the buckles to attempt a superplex on Roadkill, and they hit it for a two count, of course, because this is ECW, and while well, I finish the match on a high spot, Kid Cash breaks the count. CW Anderson nails Kid Cash with a spine buster. Roadkill breaks it up with a leg drop. Doring hits the lifted double arm DDT to Simon Diamond, then Kid Cash hits the money maker, a pile driver, to Johnny Swinger and gets the win. So there you go. The faces get the win for Bobby Eaton, who is not here. So you're just going to have to imagine he was watching. He probably wasn't. But there you go. Um, The only standout in this match to me was Kid Cash. He was the only guy that I could see with a change of attire. He could be a star if he was actually groomed in the right situation. Well,
1: WWE actually brought him to SmackDown.
0: They did, and he was part of the One Night Stand show.
1: Right. And they they liked him so much, they moved him from ECW to SmackDown.
0: But then just didn't do anything with him. Yeah, then they dropped it. Unfortunately, due to his size, WWE, just in this time, no. They are not going to look at someone like Kid Cash. So, um, that's unfortunate for him. He had a good run in TNA for a while. And like I said, he could have been something with, with proper grooming and... If he had ever gotten good on the microphone, I think that was the major issue with Kid Cash. His size and his microphone skills. But So out of the six men, I would put him as the, the standout here. What did you think of this opening match? I liked it.
1: I like every person involved in this match as well. I I actually truly enjoyed it a lot more than I did uh,
0: The Balls and Big Sal. Oh, I thought that could have been skipped completely. I I agree. was not anything. I agree. Rhino then cuts a promo on Sandman. Well, I mean, that first match only happened because they had to fill time. That's what this whole show pretty much feels like, is why is this happening? It's to fill time. It's like, because you think about it, think about all the names that we associate with ECW who are not on this show. Like, Raven's gone. He had, he had come back in 2000 for a cup of coffee and was already gone again. Sabu's not on this show. I assume he was injured. Taz. Taz is gone. Mike Awesome's gone. Chris Candido's gone. Masada Tanaka. Tanaka's not on the show. Terry Funk isn't a part of this company. Psycho Sid isn't a part of this thing. So all these people that are that had pretty good runs in ECW, gone. Mm -hmm. Dudley boys, gone. And also, who's most associated with ECW who's not on this show? Paul fucking Heyman's not on this show, (laughs) which I really missed because even if he just did one segment, he adds so much to the show. I mean, he used to voice over all the promos and everything, all the promo packages and stuff. He adds something to the show and he's not even on his own fucking company's show this company that he's probably in a panic mode trying to figure out what the fuck do I do how do I save this thing he's not even going to help it out by appearing on its own pay per view
1: well that's probably why he's not on the show is he's freaking out about
0: what am I going to do so we go backstage to Rhino who has a promo for us about Sandman he's got the Psycho Sid style promo where he whispers and then he screams and then he snorts like a rhino 'cause he's rhino. Steve Carino and Jack Victory are out next. Steve Carino, part of the network with Jack Victory. He's taking on Jerry Lynn. Lynn takes Jack Victory out with a drop kick. I hate Jack Victory, by the way. Of all like I, I there's a lot of ECW people that I don't care for. Jack Victory brings zero. Has never brought anything to any of these shows. Has he
1: ever even stepped in the ring and had a match? Or is he just manager?
0: I'm, during this era, I think he was just a manager. I think he had maybe had some matches early on, but okay. this guy—I mean, I hope he was one of the guys that Paul Heyman didn't pay because <laughs> I don't, I don't explain, I don't understand why he has work. He does nothing and he adds nothing and he is nothing. He wasn't used in the other companies he worked for. He was a jobber. He was a jobber for his entire career. Just because you work for that other company or that you shouldn't that shouldn't just entitle you to get work and jack victory and coming up in our main event tonight you have people there that are just there because they worked for the other company yeah. you can't do that all the time especially when it gets to people like jack fucking victory when you're like oh bring him on in no fuck that guy so lynn takes out jack victory with a drop kick and then just starts brawling with carino lynn hits carino with a second rope bulldog then dies from the turnbuckle out to victory and Carino on the concrete don't use ring mats in ECW, those are for pussies that don't want brain damage. That's right. Lynn gets crotched on the guardrail, but Carino gets a chair kicked in his face, and then Lynn falls out with a tornado DDT to the concrete. And then Carino uh, does some color here and uh, massive, massive trauma like. Carino rarely did matches where he didn't bleed, so this wasn't a surprise. It was shocking how much blood came out of this man's small head. Uh, he was just pissing blood out of his head the entire match from this moment on. Lynn does corner punches to the bloody Carino, but Carino executes a sit-out power bomb to land on a chair in the ring. Carino, good idea that he dyes his hair blonde, by the way. He makes the most of it when oh, he bleeds. Oh, man, he's got flair. He's straight up. He is the king of old school or whatever, so he knows he knows all the secrets. Steve Carino has Colby's name written on his taped fist, Colby who has a contract with NXT now where his dad works, so very convenient. He what has him he does. He has a mugshot in Hamilton County and a career in NXT. So He is with NXT, finally. I think so, yes. He's finally on the roster. He's in developmental, not on the NXT roster, per se. So, yeah, future wrestler Colby is written on his dad's tape fist, which Joey says, I, I'm sure he's not at home watching this. I hope he's not. He was watching this. <laughs> Carino lands the bionic elbow for a two-count, uh, of course, aping his move from the guy he hates Dusty Rhodes gets a two count on Jerry Lynn followed by a power slam that gets a two count then Jack Victory gets a cheap shot in on Lynn Carino mocks the fans and gets into it with some of them like I was afraid he was going to brawl with the dude in the entryway the match slows down when they get in the ring Carino then low blows Lynn goes for a chair shot to the head, but Lynn drop kicks it into his face. Carino gets crotched in the turnbuckle. Lynn grabs a chair and DDTs him from the buckle onto the chair. The high spot of the match. The grossest thing I think I've seen in a while in pro wrestling. Lynn takes the blood off of Carino's face and starts painting his body with it. Ugh. I, lo- I love <laughs> this. This grossed me out, dude. Sorry.
1: He takes it and he wipes it on his chest and then he takes more and he writes... D-I-E. And it was great. Ugh, disgusting. He wrote die on his stomach
0: in Carino's blood. It was awesome. Gross. This just grossed me out.
1: It was awesome.
0: Carino hits a desperation super kick for a two. Lynn tries an inverted DDT off the second rope to Carino and they botch it, so they just go to the mats. Carino hits a neckbreaker for a near fall, then Jack Victory. His one spot in the match, he fucks it up, the freedom powder. The ref takes most of it, and then Jack Victory slugs him for good measure. This costs Jerry Lynn a pinfall. Then Carino takes his boot off, which is a move in wrestling I never understand when, oh, this boot in my hand is going to hurt you so much more than on my foot. <laughs> but that's pro I can... I'll suspend my disbelief. Carino takes his boot off, which he wrestled in cowboy boots, so it did look like it would hurt, I guess, and nails Lynn in the head with it. Then Jack Victory nails Lynn with a cowbell. The ref finally wakes up, but it's only a two count. EC Dub, EC Dub can't ever finish a match properly. Lynn hits the cradle pile driver and gets the win as Jack Victory just stood there and let this happen. So, great manager, Jack Victory. And this was match of the night and oh I was going to say the same thing this was match of the night hands down the best match on the card even without the blood uh, I think it would have been match of the night and the thing is also it really didn't have much of a storyline attached not to it not a single one but it was awesome Yeah this was the high point of the night and yes. that's pretty sad cuz it's the third match in it is I thought the blood added to it, but it's scary, man. The amount of blood that he was pissing. He really was. I thought the blood added to it, and
1: then I thought Lynn taking it and writing dye on his stomach and then smearing his chest with Karina's with blood. And his face. I mean. Yeah, that was brilliant. Because he put war paint, like a lot no. on his nose and a lot on his cheeks. Like, it was like indian war paint and then smeared it on his
0: chest and wrote die on his stomach it was it was great for some reason that just really grosses me out even though i've seen you know wrestling matches with tons of blood before but i think it's getting down in there i mean like ugh, just no <laughs> him digging yeah. out the blood and doing it. yeah that that was a little much for me especially <laughs> it seems odd too that jerry lynn is doing this because i think of jerry lynn as more of oh he's great technical wrestler oh like, yeah right? technical high flyer everything you, smooth entering pre- he's not some deathmatch wrestler <laughs> but he wasn't gonna let all this blood just go to waste well, I mean.
1: yeah exactly
0: so that was our high point of the night we get some hardcore heaven highlights where sandman pile drove rhino several times on a table in the ring but then of course sandman's wife was assaulted by the network and rhino which featured rhino pile driving her off the apron through a table to the floor this is the type of man on female violence I don't think I'm good with uh, really yeah a pile driver through a table to a concrete floor on even on like I would be kind of weary about this on just two male wrestlers so. why is this? Because it looks stupidly dangerous I mean it's the height of danger, I think a pile driver is danger enough. Right, so didn't like this too much, and also this angle is also another Paul Heyman fucking go to in ECW. How many fucking times can we get these guys' wives involved in angles? This was Paul Heyman's mo. Well, going to
1: to Lori Fullington was his go to woman. I think she was a part of like four or five different angles involving Sandman. But
0: also he did this with Beulah.
1: He did do this with Beulah, So that's
0: true. Wife Angles was much like the open of the show. It's like, come on, it's time to move on. It's time to get something different going here. So Sandman is back with the company, by the way, because he had a failed run at WCW that the Hardcore Invitational didn't really work out too good for him. Joey and Cyrus in Reset and Kill More Time as they get joined by Don Marie, which just kills more time as well. I love Don Marie. Cyrus is going to help her do commentary by creeping out over her body. How is she creeping out? He's creeping out over her. Okay, well how is he creeping out? Uh well, I not in this segment but in the next one they do together, he says, "Oh, why don't you jump for me and bend over and just" <laughs> yeah so in this one he's not too direct but in the next one he's just basically get naked and bend the fuck over (laughs) so oh and then my fears really i almost hit the boiling point here when in the ghetto started playing because oh shit here comes fucking new jack for a fucking new jack match i love new jack he sucks and so i was like shit but luckily, he was legit injured, so he just walks he was. He in actually, crutches to the ring. He, I don't know what he was going to
1: do here. He had a broken leg that had been reset and was in the process of healing.
0: And so thankfully, I'm saved from a new Jack match by the team with the worst tag team name in tag team wrestling history. The Baldies. The Baldies. <laughs> it's the worst. I usually always go to three-minute warning as being one of my least favorite tag team names. No. No the baldies is the worst because being bald is not an intimidating gimmick i know that we've had a lot of great bald pro wrestlers but steve austin wasn't saying oh i'm so great because i'm bald it wasn't because they were bald that they were badasses and so this to me is like having a tag team with fat guys and calling them the fat asses (laughs) it's not intimidating it's not an advantage it's the worst feature on them go ahead and talk about it (laughs) that's true so Angel Staple guns New Jack in the face Which I've mentioned it before A staple gun spot When you don't actually See the staples Is one of the easiest things Like that's The safest thing you can do Because you don't have to have Any staples in it To make that sound right. So you just go up to the guy Gets a big reaction No one gets hurt It's much better than A chair shot to the head Why not use a staple though? Because why use a staple? I know plenty of guys No I know. mean If they're not gonna show it Which they didn't show With New Jack Yeah he probably did use the staples, thinking, "Oh, they'll definitely show this." And their production team take missed a it. dollar
1: and staple it. Yeah, you have staple. to have proof.
0: Yeah. You always have to have that prover there. With, oh, I stapled something to your head.
1: Who's how go- far does staples go in? I'm not curious. very far. I would imagine. I wonder how painful that is. I've never had that actually done to me.
0: Nor have well, I you, ever seen it done live in the ring when I was there. You saw that Tournament of Death, like, Tournament of Death 9 that I showed you with the oh Kinsons God or, or God those, whatever one. they're called, where they got that dude... That went to his brain. It had to. That Your skull is not that thick, dude. That went. Those went in a lot further than a staple. I those, think. man... Kinsons. Those, that's what those things were at least an inch. <laughs> yeah, and he had two of them rammed in his skull. With a chair, so... That's so disgusting. Who's gonna save New Jack? I don't really understand who would save New Jack, because New Jack basically had no friends once... He broke up with his tag team partner, so... Chris Chetty and Nova. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Duh. Nova in his Flash gear. Big comic book fan here. Chris Chetty and Nova dive onto Angel from DeBaldi's. Nova misses a Swanton. Then DeVito misses a Moonsaw. DeVito is the guy who showed up in WWE Cw in the second episode and was Macho Libre. Ooh, say everything twice. Say everything twice. That's my most memorable I moment of know that. DeVito's career. Macho Libre. Yes. Chetty hits the Amityville hard to Angel. Then Chetty and Nova hit the tidal wave, which is a double-team splash off the turnbuckle to Angel, and get the pinfall. Just that simple. One, two, three. This match was just, again, this was just felt like we were just killing time here. It had... No explanation of why they saved New Jack, just that they saved him. Then we go to a promo with Tommy Dreamer. Uh, he talks about getting a paycheck at the pizza restaurant he used to work at. He said he lost everything for wrestling, but he wouldn't change a thing. He's tired of Just Incredible, and he'll give him his flesh, and he starts banging his head into a locker and busts himself open, which is the only color he would do on this edition of ECW, by the way, so it's very strange, especially for the match he had coming up. Guido is out to the ring for a three-way dance against Cicosis, who has been fired from WCW at this point and has lost his mask and uh, is back here in ECW, so they, this is somebody I can see why they brought him in from a different company, because like, yeah. he, he's also an original ECW I mean, that's where Bischoff saw him, so... And then Tajiri. So, more in-ring wrestler introductions to waste more time. Mikey Whipwreck and Sinister Minister walk out, so he just joins the match. Yeah, that's how it works in ECW. If you just want to join a match, just come on. Whenever you're feeling like it. So, now it's a four-way. We get a whippersnapper to Tajiri, and Whipwreck clears the ring. He hits a tope con hilo to the outside. Then Tony Mamaluke runs down and joins the match. Big Sal then returns... He appears ringside and drives Whipwreck into the post. We get a guillotine leg drop from Psychosis and Guido pins him and eliminates Mikey Whipwreck. Tajiri scores off with Psychosis, lands a tilt a head scissors followed by an acai moonsault out to Psychosis and Guido. Tajiri superplexes Guido, who gets hit with a leg drop from Psychosis for a two-count. Guido hits his kiss of death to Psychosis, and Tajiri uses a bridging German and eliminates Psychosis. So welcome back, buddy. You're eliminated second in a four-way dance. (laughs) It's down to Guido and Tajiri, final two. Uh, Tajiri hits the tarantula to Guido then Tajiri brings a chair into the ring puts Guido in the trio woe baseball slides the chair into his face Guido then gets the green mist and a brain buster on a chair and Tajiri gets the win over Guido and then Guido gets a curtain call here to waste some more time because I don't think he had a really breakthrough performance here but whatever he gets a curtain call here at the end of the match and not the move he got to get some applause at the end of the match uh, what'd you think of this four-way? I didn't much care for it. No, me neither. Uh,
1: I love the way that I love doing four, Fatal Four Ways this way. Oh,
0: I like elimination style or triple matches. threats for
1: that matter. I think eliminations are great.
0: Then we get a just incredible promo. He won the ECW World Title in April from Tommy Dreamer at Cyber Slam after Tommy got it back from Taz. So Tommy Dreamer had it less than a day. His dream was snuffed out by just incredible so there you go speaking of wasting time sandman is out next and he is the undertaker of ecw as his entrance to enter sandman takes five minutes but on the network they dub over enter sandman so you don't get to enjoy it also, I get this for the live crowd. They would, I would love this if I was there live, singing along, having the dude smack his head with the beer can, the cigarette, all that stuff. Watching it at home, if you've seen this before, just like I said with the the Joel Gertner shit, seen it before. Why do I have to? I paid for this on pay
1: per view. Why do I have to sit through it again? Well, what about that lucky fan that was probably not
0: twenty one and he pours an entire beer in his mouth? Well, I mean, take advantage of the situation. You don't often get free beer at the arena. It's true. He's taking on the television champion, Rhino, who's with the network as well. Sandman nails Rhino with the Singapore cane, but Rhino just no-sells it. Clothesline, Sandman. Sandman throws a piece of the guardrail into the ring while they brawl around. They get into the ring. Sandman whips Rhino into the rail. He hits a Heinekenrana off the buckle to Rhino onto the guardrail. Then he hits a senton bomb to Rhino, who was under the guardrail, causing more damage to Sandman than Rhino, but whatever. Jack Victory and Steve Carino, who's all bandaged up, come out and beat down Sandman. Then the ref gets punched by Jack Victory again, who is the only guy that Jack Victory can get a one-up on as the referees. Then Spike Dudley comes in and brings in a cane, and Sandman and Spike 3D Steve Carino. Even though all the other Dudleys are gone, we're still going to do their move. Because fuck it, we don't have anything else. The Rhino then pile drives Spike off the apron through a table, which, yeah, just like with Sandman's wife, this is very dangerous. Sandman then uses the cane to hit Rhino a few times before Rhino just pile drives him onto the guardrail that was in the middle of the ring and retains the TV title. One thing I noticed here, by the way, too, Spike Dudley had a broken leg doing all this shit. Had a huge cast, like a a legit cast. Yeah, yeah, a legit broken leg. So this was stupid um, (laughs) on his part, but whatever. We go back to the announcers. It's Cyrus, Joey, and Don Marie to fill some more time. And then Cyrus, I cannot explain this on the network, okay? So they let everything go tonight. They let him say fuck. They let him say faggot. They let him say shit. They let him do something in the main event later that I think they might have a problem with in today's WWE. (laughs) But Cyrus does something with his hand here that I have no idea what the fuck he did, but he got his hand blurred out here doing something. It looked like he was just pointing to the ground and they blurred out his entire hand. He didn't do the middle finger. I don't know what he did. He wasn't doing like a motion, like a sexual motion or anything. They blurred out his entire hand. It was so bizarre. And it's... His hand goes like past his crotch. So if you weren't watching this in context, you'd be like, what's he doing in the middle of this show? Right. But then they unblur it. It's very puzzling edit. So this really... This was the highlight of the night for well, me. I'm curious now. I want to know what he did. We cut back to the ring. Oh, and that's when... Spike is still getting out of the ring in his massive leg cast, so they have to fill time while he gets out of the ring. And, of course, as we mentioned, a lot of stars departed from ECW, so they had to get new stars. Naturally, you go after WCW's number one guy, and so they got him. Scotty Riggs. Scotty Riggs, of course. They said, take that eye patch off, dye your hair blacker than ever, dye your goatee blacker than ever. And give people the clap. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Scotty Riggs is out to a song that sings I Want to Give You the Clap. This is not edited out on the network and it should have been. Yes, and he does his American Males clap. He's Scotty Anton in ECW, but I'm going to call him Scotty Riggs.
1: He's the the U.S. male. The U.S.A. male. Yes. Instead of American Males, which you can't use, he's the U.S.A. male. The U.S.
0: male. He's like the post office. Oh, yeah.
1: it's the U.S. male. That's right.
0: RVD is out next and hasn't shaved his chest in weeks. A very hairy Rob Van Dam for some reason. RVD takes Riggs down with a spinning heel kick and a tumbling splash. He moonsaults Riggs out onto the concrete off the guardrail. He lands a corkscrew guillotine leg drop to Riggs who was draped over the guardrail and Fonzie places a chair over his back as he takes it. RVD then press slams Riggs, which was pretty impressive. I don't recall seeing RVD do a lot of press slams, but he press slams Riggs Then he hits a second rope moonsault and only gets a two count. Riggs then throws a chair into RVD's face. He was on the buckle, and then he chair shots him in the head when he tries to get in the ring, so Riggs takes over here, which is where this match goes off the rails, in my opinion. Riggs then bulldogs RVD onto the guardrail from the apron, throat first, Riggs and RVD get back into the ring. Riggs runs RVD back first into the buckles. He hits a belly-to-back suplex off RVD off the buckle, followed by a DDT. He crotches RVD on the guardrail, clotheslines him off the apron. Riggs puts RVD in the tree of woe and wants to chair shot him, but he gets a boot from RVD instead. Riggs puts on a Boston Crab, but Fonzie tosses a chair in the ring and distracts him. RVD wakes back up, chair surfs into Scotty Riggs' face in the corner, followed by a split-legged moonsault, a rolling thunder... And then Riggs chair-shots RVD's leg, puts him in the clapper, which is a sharpshooter, a terrible-looking sharpshooter. But is Riggs is worse than the rocks. No, okay. I think it's better. Okay. On our scale of bad sharpshooters, it's slightly above Rocks. Okay. But Riggs just gives it up when Fonzie whistles at him. He's very easily distracted. Fonzie then gets put in the clapper. Then riggs eats a van daminator a five-star frog splash Uh uh-oh and a van terminator the debut which was a springboard not from the post shane mcmahon so learn how to do it right and rvd sails 20 feet across the ring and connects and gets the win here against scotty riggs so welcome to ecw scotty riggs we're going to put you in a match against our number one guy And you're going to lose. You're going to lose. That's right. And unfortunately for ECW, RVD would get injured before they could do the big program with Rhino to get his TV title back. So another blow to ECW in its dying days that it's one superstar was out with an injury. We get a hype video for Credible versus Dreamer. I've thought about it and this is a really tough match to get over because it's the stairway to hell match. ECW, anything goes. So every match is a stipulation match if you want it to be. Like, if you want barbed wire, just bring it with you. If you want flaming tables, light some tables on fire. So stairway to hell, we'll put some barbed wire, just a little bit, at the top of the ceiling. You use a ladder to get it. You don't have to get it. It's not win when you retrieve it. It's just up there. If you want it, you can get it, which is no different than any other ECW match, technically. Very true. So this match was doomed from the start, and it lived up to it. Credible and Francine are out first, then Dreamer is out with Jazz, and then Gorgeous George from WCW. What? Macho Man's valet slash girlfriend. As I mentioned someone from the other company that got a contract that shouldn't have, here she comes. So she brings the ladder out for Tommy Dreamer. Why should she have not gotten a contract? Because she doesn't offer them anything. Oh, she offers them something. So this is when we get our big XPW invasion, brother. And they look like a bunch of idiots here. So they all throw on their XPW shirts and they start a commotion. And Tommy Dreamer... How did they start a commotion? They got up out of their chairs and started to put on the t-shirts. So... Six wrestlers from Extreme Pro Wrestling XPW were given front row tickets by promotion owner Rick Zakari. They donned shirts of their own promotion, which Tommy Dreamer saw and told ECW Security, and were promptly ejected. Because, of course. Why the fuck would we let you stand there and get free TV time? So then the entire locker room came out here, followed them out of the arena, and then got into a big brawl out in the parking lot. They did. They did. So that's the infamous XPW-ECW brawl where people got into- I thought. I thought Lizzie reached over and grabbed
1: Francine, and that's what started the whole melee.
0: Yeah, that was a false report that anyone touched Francine. Okay, so that, that was my thought process behind it. Was- that was how the announcers covered for this, and... Well, I thought it actually happened that based on how they stalled all throughout the night, I thought that this was ECW just stalling again. Like oh, yeah. we need to get more time in this match. It turned out it wasn't that, but still, it helped them because they hadn't. This match was nothing. They had nothing for this match.
1: So they threw on their XPW shirts, which they're on. They're not on the hard camera side anyway.
0: Yeah, they have their backs to it. Right. It just bothered Tommy Dreamer. I a guess pers-
1: a person earlier in the night took a sign that was an, a custom, like very nice XPW sign around the other side and held it up, and was quickly took. It was took away from oh, okay. him. So, but okay. Well, th- I mean that deserves getting your ass kicked. Then if you're just going to throw on t-shirts, apparently.
0: Yeah this uh, this distraction takes several minutes to clear up as the crowd was going nuts and then all the the wrestlers that were in the back that wanted to watch this and it's just uh, stalling this uh, this felt I it felt planned watching it honestly just because of how they stalled all throughout the night so of course this is just part of what they do and so they got into a big fight
1: out in the parking lot like legit right
0: yeah did anybody go to jail or anything like that oh i see what caused the distraction okay what well, went down so, Mist, seated up front, one of the XPW gals, took her top off, revealing a black leather bra. She did this with her back to the ring, and so all the fans popped, and that's what got Tommy distracted. Well, I did not see that. And so, Tommy. Mist had teased doing this all night, but never did until that point. Francine was upset that Mist was stealing her heat. I guess Mist knew the spot later on in the match, right? and was Francine got into her face about it, so... Well, I missed this part on the
1: network. Here, was that quickly cut out, or because I did not?
0: No, see it that. wasn't. Vi- it says none of this was visible on camera. Oh, okay. People involved in the brawl outside, of course, knew Jack led the way <laughs> with a <the> broke leg. <laughs> the XPW crew got into a limo and drove away. The LAPD was watching and did nothing because they thought it was scripted. So that is awesome. <laughs> that is great. All right, so that is XPW versus ECW. The one night invasion. I, l- I see, I love XPW. I thought it was cool. It was the spinoff. Dreamer gets super kicked by Justin Credible. Then Dreamer power slams Credible and clotheslines him out of the ring. They walk and brawl around the arena, and this is where the match falls apart, even though I guess you could say it fell apart at the XPW distraction. But they walk and brawl around the arena and don't do really anything. Then They climb a ladder near the tech area and Credible pushes the ladder out from under Tommy Dreamer and he falls face first towards the ground. And somehow from all this, Credible is the one that walks away bleeding. But okay. (laughs) Credible then mounts the ladder in the corner horizontally. Dreamer goes face first into it. Dreamer then catapults Credible into the ladder, goes to climb to get that precious barbed wire which doesn't win you the match. It's just a weapon. But Francine stops him and Dreamer falls onto her accidentally. Then George turns heel she turns on Tommy Dreamer, her friend of all of one hour, and she turns on him and throws Jazz down, and she joins Just Incredible. Francine then tries a Bronco buster to Jazz, but gets a big boot. Jazz then rips Francine's top off, who had nipple tape on. Not too extreme for extreme championship wrestling. Just saying. I mean, and whatever. So she is now topless with just tape. Yes. she Sable basically did the same thing in WWF. So, well, with the handprints. No. Yeah. Francine then is taken out of the match because of this. Credible then hits, that's incredible, to Francine. Some more male and female violence here for you. Tommy hits a Tommy Hawk to Justin Credible for a two count. By the way, Barbed Wire's still up there. Dreamer says, oh yeah, I forgot about that. So he goes and gets it. He wants to DDT Credible off the buckle into the barbed wire which he laid out very nicely but he settles for just crotching him on the barbed wire instead just incredible then recovers hits and that's incredible on the barbed wire but dreamer kicks out because it's ecw folks <laughs> dreamer then ddt's credible which just incredible learn to fucking sell this move buddy you're the fucking world champion he takes a ddt on his knees in the barbed wire instead of face first but he always he he's a notorious knee seller And uh, gets a two count here for Tommy Dreamer, which leads to another, that's incredible, and the match is over. And all any heat that could have been in the finish was taken away because why did he have, why would we have to do this over again? I don't know. Joey then plugs Anarchy Rules and we're out. This match stunk. This was a WWF version of a hardcore match. Very terrible. ECW should be above this, especially when you're introducing something like barbed wire. When you're trying to introduce something that's more extreme than usual, you have to go big.
1: I agree, and we've discussed it, and I'll still discuss it. The only barbed wire match that I think they actually executed properly was Terry Funk and Sabu.
0: When they actually swapped the ropes out with barbed wire? Yeah, that was pretty brutal, and... That made sense because you're extreme championship wrestling. You're gonna have to really raise the bar. I mean, Steve Carino bled all over the place tonight, and now you're trying to. Exp- you're
1: doing barbed wire, and you don't you don't have hardly any blood whatsoever. No offense to just incredible, but he nowhere near was the likes of Steve Corino. They didn't even blood wise.
0: They didn't even do much with the barbed wire, which was the whole point of the match, was to get the barbed wire and be crazy with it. And they did three moves on yeah. it. Well, four including Credible getting crotched in it. So I hated the main event. Uh, it was awful. I hated most of this show. I guess the Jerry and Carino match is the only one I would recommend watching. And it has no real storyline to it other than just being ECW versus the network.
1: If you're a huge RVD fan, the Van Terminator, the very first one... Okay, Scotty Riggs and RVD, maybe.
0: Yeah, if you're a a huge Scotty Riggs fan and not a Buff Bagwell fan, this show might be for you. Tons of stalling, lack of stars, storylines that really didn't pay off because Rhino and Sandman was all about Sandman's wife. It hardly came into play in the match. The barbed wire in this match, Stairway to Hell, hardly was involved in this match. Yeah, I just, they really dropped the ball on this show and this is at a time when they couldn't afford to do that and they did that and like i said paul Heyman didn't even bother showing up to it so if he's not going to care and he's the owner how am i supposed to care when he's an on-screen character so very true what do you think of this show
1: i think you summed it up right there the only true match worth watching is the actual steve Corino jerry lynn match and if i'm saying that That tells you something. However, a memorable moment, I do love the XPW invasion. I think that's awesome. I love the fact that they did it. It was brilliant.
0: And it worked. Well, it's hilarious because it's something that Paul Heyman probably would have done himself at one point, but now it's being done to him. Security, get them out of here. Yeah. So kind of hypocritical how did they get ringside
1: tickets that's the one i want to know
0: they were based in la and that guy the the owner guy had connections so i think it was pretty easy for him to score the tickets in fact xpw would end up using this venue to run a lot of their shows so um yeah i i
1: i love watching xpw it's a lot like ecw right after they had gone out of business I enjoy watching it. I still enjoy watching it. Well,
0: for for a moment there, they were thought to be the natural successor. They were, oh, you like DCW? Well, you'll like this, and this will be the next big thing. I have a ton of their DVDs. I love watching
1: XPW. I even have the DVD, The Rise and Fall of XPW. So, um, we might have to do an XPW DVD pay-per-view. Um. But yeah, no, uh, that's a memorable moment. And like I said, Karina, Lynn, and we're out. That's that's. There's not a single thing else worth watching on that pay-per-view. And if I'm
0: saying it, that shows you how bad it is. So Heat Wave 2,000 on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. Where do you rank this one? Ooh, kick Cash. I'm going to give this one a Spike Dudley on a bad leg. We're, <laughs> we're about the same then. All right, Patrick, that was my pick for last week. Where will we be going next week?
1: I'm going to show you how barbed wire is supposed to be used. I'm going to show you the true way barbed wire can be used in a match. We're going to go all the way back to Backlash 2004.
0: Okay, Backlash 2004 is where we'll be going next. That is the show after WrestleMania 20. So it is. Um, that's where we'll be. And that's where we'll go next week in the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code RETRO WRESTLING, get a month for free, courtesy of us. That'll do it for this week. I'm
1: intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo.